Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hey there, everyone. This is our first installment in our Mark study. Last time we talked about the introduction, and this week we're kicking it off in Chapter 1 right after this. In the past decade, the Action Bible has helped millions of kids across the world better understand the stories of the Bible. Through vivid illustrations and fast-paced stories, children have engaged in God's Word like never before. Now, in 2024, there's a new edition, the Faith in Action Edition with enhanced features. The Action Bible Faith in Action Edition has a new color design, 230 Bible stories and digital resources that help kids grow in the knowledge of God's Word. These resources include hundreds of devotional prayers, timelines, maps, Bible facts, teaching videos, activities, and more. Additionally, kids will learn about seven major themes of the Bible. These themes include courage, faith, hope, love, service, trust, and wisdom. The Faith in Action Edition is the most complete illustrated Bible for kids. You can purchase your copy today of the Action Bible Faith in Action Edition at Sam's Club, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com, or wherever books are sold. I found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yates. I'm a caring father, mentor, and friend. In my new podcast, Billy and the Goat, I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com. Okay, moms, I hope you are as excited about this study as I am. I have got more notes here than I can possibly cover in our time together today. We're only going to try to do the first chapter of Mark, and yet there is so much here. If you go over to rachelcarmen.com, there is a PDF study guide available for you to download and print off if you want to go deeper. Again, my objective in this study is that the Word of God would come alive to you, that you would see Jesus and those that He interacted with as real people. It's so easy to study the scripture, or maybe you were raised in the church, or maybe you're new to God and his word, it is so easy to keep these characters and even the Lord Jesus Christ himself flat and black and white on the page. Part of my objective is that we can breathe life into these people, that you can see these as actual events because they were. And they weren't just any actual events. These were events that changed the course of history. They have the potential to change your life and my life as we accept the Lord Jesus as God's gift to us, as the perfect Lamb of God come 
to pay our sin debt on Calvary's cross. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. That's not for several more chapters. We're starting here today again in Mark chapter 1. And over at the study guide, I've just laid it out very, very simple. A whole series of questions. Just the whole idea of that study guide is that you would do a very close reading of the passage. I've got some references for you to do some further study in some of the other gospels. So if you want to go a little deeper, get a little bit more meat on the skeleton that is sometimes Mark's narrative, remember As we're studying Mark's narrative, what we're really hearing, and then the more we get into this, you're going to hear it, what we're really hearing is Peter's voice. Remember, Mark was Peter's scribe. And if you didn't hear our five-part series on the life of the Apostle Peter, you might want to rewind, go back and pick those up. I really think that will give this study of the book of Mark a whole nother dimension for you as you get to know Peter, one of my most favorite Bible characters, the Apostle Peter. So today I want to get started again in chapter one, and there is so much for here, here for us to look at together. I hope that wherever you are today, you are prayed up and that God has a word of encouragement for you today in his truth. And I do pray that as we're studying this, that you will come to see something new that you haven't seen before. And I want to say this right off the bat. The word of God is unchanging. It's inerrant. It is God-breathed. This is the Word of God. Other things pass away. It says that the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. So I do not believe in a progressive interpretation of the Word of God. It means the same thing today that it did thousands of years ago, right? It's not progressing. It is not changing. We are being transformed, but the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we need to recognize that when we come to the Word of God. Now, having said that, I know that in my own study of God's word, I will come to a passage that I have read before and there's something new in it. And I just would like to humbly suggest to you, it's not because there's something new there. It's not because it's changed. It's because he's changing you. It was there before, but you weren't here before. You've changed. You've grown as you've dared to lean into him, as you've dared to allow him to mold you. In my case, as I've allowed him to chisel off some things of me that did not have their rightful place in my heart or in my life, those areas that he is trying to teach me to let go of so that I can be conformed into the image of his son. And I come to the word. I come to his word over and over and over. And every time he meets me in his word and teaches me something new. So that is my prayer for you. If you are a new Christian, I pray that this just opens up as you seek the teaching of the Holy Spirit. I pray that God just pours out his spirit upon you and on your study. If you have walked with the Lord many, many, many years, I pray that this study, this close reading of the book of Mark, I pray that as you study about the life of Christ anew, that he will show you new aspects of himself. Not that they're actually new, but that they're new to you, things you've not seen before in his word. 
Now, right off the bat, I want to suggest to you a challenge. I have gone through, I I love to keep notebooks. I am a very tactile person. I love my journals. You probably know that by now. And in the journal that I'm using, that I'm filling up with my notes for our study in the book of Mark, I've taken every passage that we're going to study, and there is a master outline over at rachelcarmen.com. So you can go over and see where we're headed, the outline, all the passages, all of that's over there. So you can look at that. I've taken each one of those and read through those different passages and just listed out the verbs associated with what Christ did in that passage of scripture. And it's really, really remarkable because remember the aspect that we see of Jesus in the book of Mark is this action oriented servant of God. We see Jesus on the move in the book of Mark. And remember the key word is immediately. And obviously if If indeed Peter is the voice behind the book of Mark, and most scholars believe that he is, that totally goes along with who we learned Peter to be in our Peter study, that five-part study we did on his life. This idea of immediately this happened, immediately this happened, I mean, we saw that in Peter. That's who Peter was, this immediacy, this rashness we saw in Peter. And yet, you'll remember, spoiler alert for those of you who haven't done that study, we saw God redeem that rashness in Peter and really grow him through that, which means there's hope for the rest of us, right? So in this one passage that we see, this first passage, which is Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through 45, the whole chapter, there's a lot here. Mark the word immediately. We have it 10 times in just this first chapter. It's 42 times in the whole book. So we have a quarter of all the times that we're going to get this word right here in the first chapter. So it really sets the tone for the entire book. But then also, I'll mark all those. I marked them just with a dot in the margin, right? But then again, I would encourage you to go through and write down all the verbs associated with Jesus just in these 45 verses. And I am just going to give you a little insight. I won't do this every time we do our chapter of Mark. But just for this time, I want to make the point of just how on the move Jesus was just in this first part of the book of Mark. He came He was baptized. He saw. He was tempted. He came. He said. He was going. He saw. He said. He called. He entered. He taught. He rebuked. He came. He raised. He took. He healed. He cast. He was not permitting. He got up. He left. He went. He prayed. He said. He went. Preaching. Casting. Moved. He stretched. He touched. He warned. He sent. He said. He stayed. Do you hear it? This is Jesus on the move. This is not a passive God. This is Jesus on the move. He came with a purpose. He came to do the will of the Father. And we see that in all of his actions. So right after this break, we're going to jump right into what we see Jesus doing right here at the beginning of the book of Mark. In the past decade, the Action Bible has helped millions of kids across the world better understand the stories of the Bible. Through vivid illustrations and fast-paced stories, children have engaged in God's Word like never before. 
Now, in 2024, there's a new edition, the Faith in Action Edition with enhanced features. The Action Bible Faith in Action Edition has a new color design, 230 Bible stories and digital resources that help kids grow in the knowledge of God's Word. These resources include hundreds of devotional prayers, timelines, maps, Bible facts, teaching videos, activities, and more. Additionally, kids will learn about seven major themes of the Bible. These themes include courage, faith, hope, love, service, trust, and wisdom. The Faith in Action Edition is the most complete illustrated Bible for kids. You can purchase your copy today of the Action Bible Faith in Action Edition at Sam's Club, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com, or wherever books are sold. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe. Okay, so we're back now, and we're going to get into the text, and I just want to talk about, we have the first part of the chapter, verse 1 through 8, is about John the Baptist, and then we have Jesus, who came on time to be baptized, he was tempted, he preaches, and then he casts out, and then he heals, All of this just in this first chapter. So it's remarkable to me right here at the beginning of the book of Mark. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So Mark wants to make it clear right here. I'm going to start this story, this narrative of Jesus's life at the beginning. And Mark centers his beginning on the call of John the Baptist in the wilderness. And what is beautiful about this passage is this is one of those threads throughout Scripture, and that is that God goes before us, walks with us, and comes behind us. Somebody needs to know that today. You need to know that wherever you are today, God has gone before you into where you are today. You may think you heard somewhere that no one has ever been. You may feel like you do not want to be where you are. You may be confused, but you can know that God has gone before you. But better yet, he is with you. You are not abandoned. You are never alone. In God's word, it says he follows us in Proverbs one thirty nine five, And in Isaiah 52, 12, it says he protects us from behind. We can know that God goes before, walks with, and comes behind. And we see this here in this passage. We see that God sends John the Baptist ahead of Christ, right? And this was prophesied in the Old Testament, That God would send a forerunner, someone who would come before declaring that Jesus was here. And we see that in this passage. John the Baptist is in the wilderness. And I just want to make a side point here. John the Baptist was an oddity. 
He did not come proclaiming his message of the arrival of the Christ in the city limits of Jerusalem. No, no, no. He was in the wilderness. He was in the wilderness. John the Baptist was set apart. You'll remember if you go back and read the story of John the Baptist in the book of Matthew, you can look at John the Baptist's conception and Jesus' conception. Both were miraculous. John the Baptist's conception was miraculous in that his mother was past the age of conceiving a child. She was older. She had been barren her entire life, and yet... His birth was prophesied. Go back and read that in the book of Matthew. We also have Jesus, right? Who was born of a virgin. It's it's glorious. These two men, right? The forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist, and the Son of God, both had miraculous births. And so John comes, it says, proclaiming a message of repentance. What we see here in John is he was the last of the Old Testament prophets. What did the Old Testament prophets do? They spoke on behalf of God to God's people, declaring a message of repentance and the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And that's what we see John the Baptist doing here, right here in the beginning of the book of Mark. It says that he was baptizing them in the Jordan River as they were confessing their sins. See, look, baptism means nothing if we're not confessing the need for our cleansing of our souls. Right? And that's what John the Baptist was offering to these people. And the humility throughout John the Baptist, he was a prophet and he was a pointer. He was pointing them to Christ. He was not declaring himself to be the Christ. He was declaring to them that another one was coming. There's someone else coming. And we see here in Mark's narrative, picking up now in verse 9, that in those days, it says, in those days. Just a quick aside here. Someone here today also needs to know that God is always on time. The God who exists outside of time interjected himself into time by sending his son through the Virgin Mary to be born on time. And it says here, in the fullness of time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized. Jesus not only was born on time, but he came to John on time. And you need to know God is always on time. And I will say to you today, it's not ever my timing, but it's always the right time. And over and over again, another thread through the entirety of the 66 books of scripture is this idea of the importance of waiting on God, trusting his timing, allowing him to do what only he can do. Over in Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7, it says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Do you get it? In the fullness of time, God sent his son on time. And so Jesus came in verse 9, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately it says, coming out of the water, he saw the heavens opening up and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came from the heavens and said, you are my beloved son and you 
I am well pleased. Now don't miss this. Right here in verses 10 and 11 of Mark 1, we have a picture of the Trinity. Right here. And it's one of two times in the gospel narratives that we hear the voice of the Father from heaven here at Jesus' baptism and again at the transfiguration. We'll look at that later. But right here, what does Jesus say? You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right here. This is the heavenly confirmation of who Jesus is. This is the Father saying, this is my son. So listener, if you have a doubt of who Jesus is, we have the voice of the father right here and the inspired word of God confirming who Jesus is. Verse 12, we have another immediately. Mark writes, immediately the spirit impelled him, impelled him to go into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. Now, this is worth further study, and it's more in-depth over in the book of Matthew. You can study that more in-depth over there, but it's important to see that here Jesus, right after he's baptized, is taken into the wilderness to be tempted. And we know Scripture teaches us that he was tempted in every way that you and I were tempted. He knew what it was like to be like us. He was a man, 100% man, 100% God in the person of Jesus Christ. That was the point, Emmanuel, God with us. So he goes out and he is tempted. And then again, picking up in verse 14, it says, Now, after John had been taken into custody, we'll study that further a little later, it says, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, listen to this, the time is fulfilled. Here it is again, another confirmation of the fullness of time, of God being on time. Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe. So there are three roles that Jesus fills in his life here on earth, prophet, priest, and king. And here's an example of Jesus fulfilling the role of the prophet. He too is picking up this message to God's people, repent and believe, repent and believe. Continuing on, it says, as Jesus was going by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew. It would be a great idea for you to consider just going through the book of Mark and marking down all of the things that Jesus saw. And what I mean by the things that Jesus saw, what I want you to see in looking at that and that homework assignment is that he really saw people. He didn't see past them. He wasn't just barely looking on at them. I mean, like he saw them. If Jesus saw you, he saw your heart, your thoughts, and we're going to see that. There's a couple of times in our passages we're going to look, and it says Jesus knew what they were thinking. Yikes, right? I mean, he was God, so he could know what they were thinking. He knew what was in their hearts. That's also in Scripture, So when he saw someone, he could see right straight to the heart of the matter. And it says here that he saw Simon and Andrew. 
casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. This is important. They were fishermen. And it says that Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And here we have another immediately. They left their nets and followed him. I just want to ask you, what must it have been about Jesus that they would leave their nets? I mean, it. my goodness, there was something about him. There was something about him that they just left it and followed him. Have you ever known somebody who, when they hear about Jesus Christ for the first time, I mean, it's like, whoa, and it just completely, totally, instantly changes them. They are totally intrigued with who he is. They want to follow him. They want to know. They are on board. That's Simon and Andrew right here. It says he went a little further, and he saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were also at the boat mending their nets, verse 20, immediately. Here we go. And he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Later on, there's going to be a comment by the disciples. They're going to say, look, we left everything. And we can see that that's true right here. They walked away from it to follow him, to follow him. Picking up now in verse 21, it says immediately, there's that word again, on the Sabbath, they went to Capernaum. Now, this is another thing that you can chase through the entire gospel narrative, either specifically here in Mark or in all four of the gospels. And that is, look at what Jesus did on the Sabbath, because it was more than a little upsetting to the religious leaders. And we see that here. It says on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue. So the synagogue for the Jews was like a community center, right? And this is where the teaching happened. And on the Sabbath, the rabbis would get up and teach. But Jesus on this occasion goes into the synagogue and it says he began to teach and they were amazed because he was teaching like one with authority. In other words, he was teaching like he knew what he was talking about. And they were like, whoa, who is that? And immediately it says, just then a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. So depending on the translation that you're reading, it might say with a demon. It says that the demon cried out saying, what business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Now, this is interesting. I'm not sure that the disciples quite yet know who Jesus is. They're intrigued. They're curious. But I don't know that they know yet who he is. Okay, he's teaching with authority, and they're following him, and they're wondering who he might be. There are implications later that they were looking for Messiah. They were anticipating Messiah. So there were 400 years of silence since the last word of the prophet was spoken, and Jesus shows up, right? So in that 400 years, God's people are waiting. The Old Testament prophets had pointed to Messiah. So could this be him? Maybe, possibly. If it is, I certainly want to follow him, right? But this demon knows who he is. This demon knows exactly who he is. And it says, what do we have to do with each other? Holy one of God. And Jesus rebuked him. And he says, be quiet and come out of him. 
So the first sign of his authority was in his teaching, but now we see a second sign of his authority in rebuking a demon because his rebuke causes this man to go into convulsions and the demon indeed comes out of him. And he amazes them again, first with his teaching and second with his healing of this man with the unclean spirit. And yet he says, yeah, yeah, but I don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. But they could not tell. This is the kind of news they couldn't keep to themselves. We pick up then in verse 29. It says immediately again, they get, they leave the synagogue and they go to Peter's house, Simon Peter's house. And Simon Peter's mother-in-law is ill. It doesn't say anywhere that Simon had mentioned this. It's, it's not clear that Simon asked him to come to his house because his mother-in-law was ill. It's kind of like they go to Peter's house and his mother-in-law's ill. And Jesus knows this because she's lying there sick. And it says, and this is really beautiful. It says, he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand. Here is another thing to consider chasing through this gospel. Over and over and over, Jesus dares to touch people. He didn't need to. We're going to see occasions on which just at his word, someone was healed. Just at his word. I mean, he's not even present and a healing occurs. But it's also remarkable that he dared to touch people. And that's what we see here. He took her by the hand and he raised her up and the fever left her. And what was her response? She immediately, it says, began to serve him. I would suggest to you, you and I, if indeed you have placed your hope and your trust in the atonement The sin price paid on Calvary's cross for your sin debt, a sin debt that you could never pay the price for. If indeed you embrace that, you accept that, you believe that your sin debt has been paid by the Lord Christ, a right response to that is to serve him. To serve him in word and deed. To serve others in word and deed. And that's the example we see here. In Simon Peter's mother, immediately it says that she was healed. The fever left her. Not surprisingly, then, when evening rolls around, right? They've seen a spirit cast out. They've heard his teaching. Simon Peter's mother has been raised up. And I mean, by evening, there is a crowd gathered. And it says that Jesus healed more and cast out more demons. But I want to I drill down here into probably one of my most favorite verses. And I think it's a verse that often gets skipped over in the Gospel of Mark. And that's verse 35. It says this, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. I got to tell you, I think this is beautiful. You want to know where Jesus, the man, got his strength to carry on and meet the needs of all the people coming and going? Because as the God-man, 100% man and 100% God, he got tired. He got weary. There were a lot of people coming and going. He got hungry. He was the God man. 
And so we see here as the God man, he still knew where to go for his strength. He still knew that it mattered to spend time with his father. He still prioritized that Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We see the example here in the life of Christ of getting up early and spending time with the father. I get it. I totally get it. It is hard. It is exhausting. It is tiring. But I think there is an example here set for us to set our minds up to seek the father first thing in the morning before we face the crowds. Mom, that crowd might be your kids, your husband. It might be the people that you work with, your neighbors, your mother-in-law, your mother that you're ministering to. Whoever it is that's going to come in the rest of your day, I want to humbly suggest to you, you need to meet with him first. You need to meet with your father first. It says then, and picking up in verse 36, and this won't shock you, Simon and his companions were searching for him. So Jesus gets up and just doesn't make a big deal out of it, doesn't make an announcement of it. He just sort of sneaks out of the house early to go spend some time with the Father right before the day begins, late night healing, rebuking demons. I need to go spend time with my Father. So he goes and he spends time with his Father. And the disciples feel like they've lost Jesus. So they go looking for him, right? And when they find him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, listen to what he said. Let us go somewhere else to to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. And don't miss this. This is one of several purpose statements that Jesus gives. Right here, if you want to know why he came, this is part. We're going to, it's, it's pieces of a puzzle. Here we get part of why he came. We're going to get another one later on in Mark. He says here, though, this is why I came to preach the good news. This is why I came. So let's, let's go. We got some more preaching to do. Let's, let's get going. Picking up now in verse 40, I need to pick up the pace here. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Another one of those threads that you can follow throughout the gospel of Mark is the thread of the unnamed. You'll know that the man possessed with the demon that he met in the synagogue, we weren't given his name. I'm sure that he had a name, but it's not included in the narrative. Here again in verse 40, it simply says, A leper came to Jesus beseeching him and falling on his knees before him, saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now there are a thousand different things that could be said here. One is the simultaneous boldness of the, le- the leper to come to Jesus. Because lepers should not have been in town. Now, I don't know right now. It says Jesus said that he was headed out of town, right? I don't know if he was in town or out of town, but lepers were supposed to be secluded. They were considered unclean, and yet this one comes to Jesus. That's bold. That's courageous. But we also see simultaneous humility because he falls at his feet. And then we see the faith. If you are willing, he says, you can make me clean. This leper boldly comes, humbly falling at Jesus' feet. 
embracing faith, declaring belief in Jesus' ability to make him clean. Jesus' response is this in verse 41. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. You need to know that's unthinkable. That is unthinkable that you would touch someone with leprosy because they were unclean. And yet Jesus said, I am willing. And he reached out and he touched him. And immediately the leprosy led him. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus cleanses. You need to know that. I don't know how it is or what it is that makes you feel unworthy or unclean, but you need to know that the blood of Jesus cleanses. Just like this leopard was cleansed, Jesus cleanses. And he sternly warned him immediately and sent him away. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. Second time he said that. But go and show yourself to the priest and, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. In other words, he said, go and do what the law said to do. Go and do that. And he says, Jesus went out and began to proclaim it. And it says that the leper, unnamed, went out and told about what Jesus had done for him. I just want to ask you as we close this first chapter of Mark today, have you dared to tell someone what Jesus has done for you? See, this is rich. This text is rich, and we have only just begun. Go over to rachelcarmen.com, get that PDF, chase all of those threads I've talked about you today. Dare to dig in and dig deeper. Dare to lean in and be transformed by the Word of God. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry Podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.